Welcome. You've arrived at yet another Physics Central podcast. I'm Tamla Masil, here on the podcast for the first time. What's your favorite piece of science fiction? What writing grabbed you from the first paragraph, took you on a whirlwind adventure, and at the end, taught you to think harder about the nature and the role of mankind in the universe? For many people, Isaac Asimov's Nightfall is just such a story. And while many science fiction stories rely heavily on the suspension of belief, the world depicted in Nightfall might be much closer to reality than even Asimov himself realized. Today I'm talking to three astrophysicists linked by this story. Two who test just how realistic this fictional solar system in Nightfall might be, and one who helped discover a real-life equivalent. Nightfall is the story of an alien civilization on the planet Kalgosh. Kalgosh is a planet with not one or two, but six suns in its solar system, all bound up in a complicated gravitational dance. The consequences of having so many nearby stars in the sky is that it is always daytime. The people of Kalgosh never actually experience darkness or night. Therefore, they can't see the stars of the wider universe and think that their daylit world is all that exists. At the start of the story, scientists of Kalgosh are beginning to realize all is not as they assumed with their world. Archaeologists have just uncovered evidence of a dark history where every 2,000 years, previous advanced civilizations are destroyed mysteriously by fire. At the same time, Kalgosh physicists and astronomers have recently determined the law of gravitation and realize that something wonky is up with the orbit of Kalgosh. An extra body is necessary to explain the orbits, and they realize there must be an invisible moon about the same mass of Kalgosh orbiting their planet. They further calculate that once every 2,049 years, this moon will eclipse the red star Dovum, at the same time that all of the other stars are below the horizon. This will cause night to fall for about nine hours, and psychologists predict utter chaos and madness will descend as people experience darkness for the first time in their lives. This captivating story, Nightfall, was originally published as a short story by Asimov in 1941, when he was only 21 years old, and it was later expanded into a full-length novel along with science fiction writer Robert Silverberg in 1990. I think it's a really excellent bit of science fiction writing, and I'm not alone in finding it fascinating. Yes, I really enjoyed the story. Like I was, I was in, I was in that world for several days, and especially like you know, you're trying to think how 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 would it feel to be if you're in a planet which has got several suns, and and suddenly one day you see the stars. You you put yourself in that situation, and what would be your reaction? That was Smarin Deshmukh astronomy graduate student and the first author of a recent paper which models the nightfall system, describing the first time he read the story. For a long time, Smarn has been fascinated by astronomy, but found it difficult to actually study it in his school in India. problem was there was no astronomy subject in my school, but I was still very interested by it, so uh, I just wrote an email to Professor Jayant Murthy saying that I want to do a project with him, and he asked me to read the novel Nightfall. Astrophysicist Jayanth Murthy at the Indian Institute of Astrophysics grew up reading Asimov's numerous works and was inspired to further explore the universe around him as a result. More recently, he became interested in the orbital dynamics of the nightfall solar system, curious whether the physics was actually accurate. I was uh, just playing around looking at just, just some modeling of systems a few years ago. And I actually spent maybe uh, a, a month or so trying to model this nightfall system. And then uh, uh, Smarin came along, and he said he wanted to do a project in his uh, summer vacation. So I said this was a good project to do, because this, the physics is easy to understand. It, it's just gravity. 
a little more difficult to model because there's so many bodies there, six-body system. But, but it's conceptually easy. So the first thing we did was we looked through the book and, and extracted whatever we could on, on that whole system. Now, the critical part, for, uh, for those who may not be as familiar with it, is that there's a moon that goes in front of the star every uh, uh, 2,000 and some years. The next task was to actually model the motion of all six suns and determine if a stable solution could be found, using hints from the story. Four of the stars are described as being white dwarfs, locked in two separate orbiting pairs, known as binary systems. By knowing the typical surface temperature and the mass of white dwarfs, and using constraints from the book about how far away these bodies were, Smarin started writing a computer program that could simulate the system. It turns out that this was not so easy. Yeah, the trickiest part of the research was actually finding a system that is stable. First, I thought if I just made all the suns orbit around the center of mass, it would work. Then I did a simulation. It didn't work. Then I thought to myself, why? On, the, on my notebook, I just did a system for three bodies. And I saw that if the three bodies they orbit around the center of mass, this would be an unstable system. So I was scratching my head for some time. Then my other guess was... I can just have a tight binary and a third body orbiting a little far. So which turns out to be a better option and it's more stable. So finally I just divided my six suns into sets of binaries. A tight binary is a pair of closely orbiting stars locked by mutual gravity. By treating these sets of binaries as a unit, with all of their forces directed towards the center of mass, Smarin was able to simplify the calculations. Like all computer simulations, Smarin also encountered problems from the precision and the power of his computer. I didn't have access to any high-powered computers, so I just had my normal laptop. So I decided I'll try and scale it such that if I run my program overnight, I should get a result. So finally, I think I, uh, my time steps were around 100 seconds. So all the forces, all the accelerations will be computed each 100 seconds. So which is, I think, fairly good, but obviously over many years, these small errors will just multiply. Ultimately, Smarn, Dashmuk and Jayant Murthy did find a semi-stable solution, but this required a bit of imagination. Asimov describes an invisible moon of the planet Kalgosh that slowly eclipses Dovim once every 2,049 years. We are told in this story that this moon has the same mass as Kalgosh, but we're not told its density. By using laws of planetary motion, which were first described by Johannes Kepler back in the 1600s, Smarn and Jayanth were able to match the nine-hour eclipse, but only if the moon was very, very special. I think the main conclusion of this paper is, uh, is that that moon has to be a gas giant. I mean, a light Saturn, because it has, to be, it has to be big, it has to move slowly, and so the only way it can be big and move slowly is if it's far from the star, uh, far from the planet. And so the only way we could do that is if it has a density about that of water. Only time will tell if this is actually a plausible planet-moon scenario, but it's certainly fun to imagine. Just think of the astonishingly beautiful and very bright night skies that we would have if somehow we had a Saturn-like moon. It always fascinated me to, have, to think of a moon which is gaseous because... In our solar system, most of the moons are ice or rock. So a gaseous moon was always very intriguing to me also. I was very surprised when actually I found it was a gaseous moon. 
The system they describe in this paper is stable for about one cycle on Kalagash, or roughly 2,000 years, although they found quite a bit of variation within the orbits. For my final simulation, I wanted some better precision. So I ran it for around 900 on 1,000 years. And yeah, already then it was starting to diverge slowly. The amplitudes of the movements and the tidal forces were slowly destroying the system. But I think even in spite of the small inaccuracies, I think it would have survived one cycle. Jayanth Murthy hopes in the future to run this model through a more powerful computer and simulation program and to publish the sequel. But this first attempt at modeling Kalgash has shown that the system is feasible, which I think is a remarkable feat from a science fiction story. Is it possible that Asimov actually ran through the calculations himself before writing the story? Jayant doesn't think so. I, I doubt he actually sat down and worked out anything. He, he, his interest was more in the social aspects of, the, of, the, uh, of, of what would happen if, if uh, night came once in a thousand years. But some astronomers are already finding real-world examples which are very reminiscent of the nightfall system. I talked to Professor Dirk Terrell to find out more. Well, I'm uh, Dirk Carroll. I am a uh, section manager at the uh, Southwest Research Institute in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, My research area is primarily eclipsing binary stars, but uh, I have interest in a wide variety of things, one of which is finding planets. Back in 2012, Dirk Terrell helped discover the first known exoplanet within a four-star system called Kepler-64. This planet is a gas giant about the size of Neptune, and the way it was first discovered is actually a really nice example of just how powerful citizen science projects can be. One such project is known as Planet Hunters and has members of the public searching through archived Kepler mission data for possible exoplanet signals. And this is how Kepler-64 was first discovered. Actually, this one was kind of interesting because it was part of this Planet Hunters project. Uh, What happened with this one, there were a couple of uh, citizen scientists who saw something kind of unusual in the the light curve of this this star. Uh, They knew it was an eclipsing binary. You could see the eclipses, and it turns out the star also has uh, spots on, on the stars. And this leads to variability in the light curve. So this light curve was varying in all sorts of crazy ways. It was just a real mess. Uh, I was asked to look at it because, uh, you know, because of the eclipsing binary part, we thought we could remove the, the part of the variability due to the eclipsing binary and due to the star spots. And when I did that, it turned out that, yes, they did indeed look like transits, and that's when we took off and started using uh, big telescopes like Keck to uh, get a better view of what was going on in the system. A stable system of four stars and a gas planet about the size of Neptune is pretty astonishing and is prompting astronomers to re-examine their models of planet formation. But will we ever see a Kalgosh-like system with six stars and a lonely planet? Dirk Terrell's optimistic. I would be shocked if we didn't eventually find something like that. You know, I, you know, I tend to be very optimistic about discoveries. Uh, and no, it would not surprise me at all to, to, find, uh, to find such a system. On the side, Dirk Terrell is also an artist and has created some fantastic artwork which represents the Kepler-64 system. If you want to find out more, go over to our blog, Physics Buzz, for some examples. Looking at these images, it's easy to imagine what the view from Kalgosh might have been like just before the stars came out. On this blog, we also link the paper which was published by Smarin Deshmukh and Jayanth Murthy in July of this year. That's all for us today. I'm Tamla Masil, and thanks for listening. <laughs>